0: So we hear there's a job going, uh, Joe London, don't know if you're in the market for a bit of new employment, but um, Pittsburgh Penguins have got an opening uh, for a GM. Um, I've got some figures here. I don't know if you're interested in how much a GM earns. Would you oh, know? Go on. Uh, How much would
1: a GM earn? Mm. Uh, A good, good couple of hundred dollars a day, maybe.
0: (laughs) Well, if you keep listening to this podcast, I will tell you the other things that we're going to talk about is, you know, here's a guy who may be a quick trade. He may even not cost you a penny. But would you as a fan want Tony D'Angelo in your locker room right now? He's on waivers after a dispute with New York Rangers. But what happened? Why? And what next for him, for New York Rangers? And then the other thing, just to kind of throw in, we're going to talk about Brent Brent Burns' teeth and also something to do with pandas. So penguins, pandas and punch ups. That is the highlights that are coming ahead for this NHL fans from afar. So, the other thing, Jolon, that I was um, laughing about was plus minus figures. Okay. Like, most people are like, what's a plus minus figure? Okay. Like, if we go back to basics, it is how many, when you were on the ice, were you scored against, were you scored for, like, you you know what I mean? Like, it's just a, a weird stat that doesn't really show, I don't think, much about the talent. And so I asked on Twitter at NHL fans from afar, Our plus-minus figures are a load of bollocks. I I know this is a family podcast, but there's no other way to put it, okay? And um, the reason I say this was some incredible games this weekend, like really feisty. I mean, Saturday night, for instance, uh, just at midnight UK time, let alone earlier and later, there were eight games at the same time. And pretty much most of those, I think bar two, maybe three, All went past regulation time. They all went into overtime. And on Sunday, there was this crazy game that happened between Edmonton Oilers and uh, Ottawa Senators, which ended up in 8-3. 8-3? Honestly, yeah. Matt Murray got pulled... Um, but what was more interesting was the the when you look at the figures, like Leon Dreisidel, Thank God he's in my fantasy team uh, <laughs> because that man is ripping up my fantasy with points, points, points. I think he got something like seven points or, or six assists, something like that. Um, but McDavid, Jeez. right? McDavid scored a goal. He had four assists, yet his plus minus figure was minus one. <laughs>
1: that is ridiculous
0: <laughs> you know when you're like what is the point of this because i know with some fantasy um, leagues they put like you get points for plus minus don't you um i don't think it's in our fantasy league that we're doing but you know when you just think there are some very strange things about this game
1: well it was always that thing with um like defensive partners with plus minus and you know as I always do, we'll bring it back to the Leafs. You had uh, Ron Hainsey was an incredible plus minus a few years ago because his defensive partner was Morgan Riley and Morgan Riley had a record point scoring season that year and scored an insane amount of goals, got an insane amount of assists. And Ron Hainsey was on that line. Now, okay, you might say that he was an enabler and meant that he should reap some of the rewards there, but it seems crazy that both those players got the same plus minus score when one of them was doing all of the scoring. But yeah, it's a, it's a funny old stat. McDavid, by the way, in fantasy, he's on my team. And he's a cheat code. I mean, basically, you just put him out there every night and you just think, well, wow, he's, he's good for a few points every yeah. single night. Some of the... I mean, one thing I'm enjoying about this... We, sorry, I'm ripping up your schedule here. But one of the things I'm really enjoying about this, um, this weird year with uh, the Canadian division is getting to watch more of the Edmonton Oilers and a couple of the other teams as well, like Calgary and all of them, because obviously the Leafs only play them a couple of times normally. And watching McDavid and Dreisaitl, like you mentioned, my days, they are just... I mean, McDavid, he scored a goal against the Leafs the other night where he basically just took the puck from behind his own net and just decided to skate through the middle of the ice and score. Mm. And I mean, this is against NHL. This is against top quality NHL players. And he just skated past them like he was a you know a dad playing against kids. Like it it was just it was incredible to watch. And I, I guess it must be a bit of this around the league at the moment with, with teams facing up against different teams than they usually do and, and getting to see more of certain players. But it is a privilege to watch that guy play hockey because he's mm. just special.
0: And that game on Saturday between the Oilers and Leafs was really quite special, although it didn't go our team's way, just mm. you know, Disclaimer alert! Both me and Joel and our Leafs fans, uh, other teams can be supported on this podcast, um, but the 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 kind of typical serving that we get. Oh, look, it's Oilers and Leafs. Oh, it's David versus Matthews. They they're friends. They train together, and that game really showed those two individuals how talented they really are how quickly they can turn it around Um, yeah
1: I did love after that goal at McDavid went up and scored and later on in the game Matthews kind of like scores from an impossible angle and you're like you're looking at them going you two are just playing with everyone else aren't you like they're, they're very different players in the way that they play and and the comparisons only go so far but what where they can be compared is that they are just different level you know Mm -hmm. the likes of him um Crosby in his in his peak I don't know whether now but players like that are just they just think the game that bit quicker Mm -hmm. and to be able to do the things they do is incredible
0: one of the things that Elliot Friedman picked out on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday, um, he talked about uh, Koskinen being a bit of an unsung hero. And I thought, well, I haven't heard that actually uh, mm-hmm. before. And I went and looked on Elite Prospects earlier to see whether what he said is still true as of recording this podcast. And he was saying that Koskinen um, has played the most number of games Um, than any other goalie in the season. And quite considerably, actually, when I looked at it, he's played 10 games. I mean, (laughs) you know, his his point save percentage is 0.895, so it's not brilliant. But he was saying how... Really, if this team make it to the playoffs or kind of stay up in the, with a chance, then they owe Koskinen a big thank you for actually keeping them through the beginning of this season. Which I, you know, as a guy, Koskinen is not a headline goalie. Oilers no. are not necessarily, it's all McDavid, Drysaddle, McDavid, Drysaddle, but looking under the carpet. And as you say, when we start to kind of watch more of these games, we we hear these names and we notice these smaller details in ways that we hadn't with those teams before.
1: Well, they went with um, Mike Smith was their other goaltender, wasn't he? I think they, he was going to be their backup, if I, if memory serves me correct. And I think he got injured like before the season started. So I'm not mm-hmm. even sure who their backup is now. And, yeah. And it is interesting seeing those goalie tandems working. I don't I don't know whether it's the case across all of the teams, but I've anecdotally I've noticed that teams are seemingly going back and forth between goaltenders. Like I've noticed that Pittsburgh are doing it quite a lot and that's probably because Tristan Jari's been Appalling most of the season, but you know the big one is Montreal. Like you know, a, a team that has relied so heavily on the shoulders of Carrie Price over the years has now got a more than suitable backup in in Jake Allen, and and they're starting him in in games that they perhaps didn't need to, but they know they can rely on them. And and with the condensed schedule, or, or with what seems like a condensed schedule, there certainly seems to be um, an advantage to those teams perhaps more so this year than previous years or either that or teams are just seeing that that is the way forward to have two serviceable goaltenders. Now, of course you can still get injuries and then you're still down to your third, but it's, it's very interesting seeing how some of those goalie tandems and then the teams who aren't like Philadelphia is another one, Carter Hart and Brian Elliott, you know, two goaltenders who, who are opposite ends of their career, but you would both trust for a night in net And uh, it'll be interesting with Edmonton because you think if if Koskinen goes on a cold run, which goaltenders sometimes do, there's no one there to step in and even just relieve him for the night. So, yeah, with this schedule, it's going to be interesting to see whether Koskinen and the Oilers can hold out that long.
0: Mm. Okay, in a little bit, we're going to be talking about um, GMs. You mentioned Pittsburgh Penguins there, why they're looking for a new GM, what does that take? What does the role of a GM really entail? Uh, We're also going to talk about Tony D'Angelo as well, a bit of a hot topic in the last couple of days. I think we should probably just get the COVID situation out the way because I just feel like I'm so, I don't know about you, sometimes I'm just so bored about talking about coronavirus. I'm like, talk about something else. I want to talk about hockey, for God's sake. But, you know, we can't deny that in the American um, teams, it's causing havoc. And not only is it COVID that's delaying games, but today, you know, the hockey gods are not shining down on the NHL, but we've got cancellations of games. Um, I think it was Islanders sabres maybe to do with weather because they've got snow um in really North america so yeah. you know they've just got cancellations left right center i mean canada are snow all the bloody time and they don't cancel games come on guys this yeah. is ice hockey <laughs> just play yeah, outside in the snow come on just play outside exactly but i mean the the nhl saying look we have got this covid buffer in place at the end of season <laughs> um they've got seven to ten days in may um, it just seems insane I mean Vegas it sounds like you know the coaching staff they had issues there so they cancelled a ton of games I mean Sharks San Jose Sharks it, it, it kind of got announced I think a few days ago that their first home game back in uh forget the name of their their stadium San uh, the SAP I can't remember Oh, uh, San Jose yeah. place San Jose home
1: yeah it, the, um,
0: that, that rink that one that's terrible. I think it's SAP something, but San Jose are going to play home from the beginning of February, which is good news because you know to be um, rudderless or, or just anchorless, I suppose it must be very difficult. Um, I, I just What's uh, interesting,
1: just quickly on that note. Sorry, Claire, but on the hmm. um, on the Sabres and Islanders game. That so so it was it it was postponed because of the weather, but actually it was COVID nineteen protocol was the reason why that it actually got postponed in the end. Mm. And the reason why was the uh, the game between the Sabres and the New York Islanders was scheduled for Tuesday at uh, NASA Coliseum was postponed. Um, the Sabres practiced in Buffalo on Monday and were scheduled to travel to Long Island on Tuesday after altering their plans because of weather conditions. So that required COVID-19 tracing protocols that can be completed appropriately the decision was made by the nhl to reschedule the game for a future date so it was actually the kind of extra admin and stuff that comes out of covid what, whether forced... they
0: don't get the coach they have to fly and if they fly then they have different protocols. something maybe. like
1: that yeah so it was a fact that they had to alter their travel plans but that in previous years they would have that would have been fine that would have you know they would have gone ahead but this then meant there was a whole load of other extra covid things so they decided safer than sorry and and reschedule it so you can just imagine it's an absolute logistical nightmare this whole season and when you think about it it is crazy that there is even a season when you yeah. think of all of the kind of hoops that are jumping through him in mean, patrick line like you know he's he's due to start tonight and we were going to talk about that maybe that a little bit later but You've got players like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's currently sitting in... So doing of, nothing. Can't Can't play because, you know, got to go to Canada and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, yeah, like you, sick of talking about it, but it is fascinating how they are managing the logistics. And, and if you are a fantasy hockey manager, it is an absolute nightmare. I've had three Vegas players in my team. Three. <laughs> that is three people on the bench guaranteed each night. And it's just so... I mean the caveat to all of this is this is nothing in comparison to COVID it's a horrible thing and it's nothing to do with sport but we're talking on a hockey podcast so I'm mm. going to trivialize it in a in the way that we can talk about it but it's so frustrating <laughs> you
0: know like see one of my things I was thinking like do I just put an entirely Canadian team yeah. in my fancy because at least they're going to play, same right?
1: thought. I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> I thought I might actually have to just start loading this with Canadian players <laughs> because at least they will finish the season and then just go for the rush because you know what's going to happen. The Canadian division is going to finish on time and then there's yeah. going to be this COVID buffer and there's just going to be these loads of players transferring out for those final few game weeks because you're going to be desperately trying to get those American, like Dallas and Tampa and Vegas who've got all these games still to play. Oh, it's going to be chaos. Chaos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and these it's are almost the like, big issues. I mean, it's like having a full-time job when you commit to a yeah, fantasy league in Holly, um, Holly in hockey. The, the thing is like just looking at like some of the... It's difficult, isn't it, to like be to, to keep following it um, here in a way. I kind of disconnect myself from the live experience a lot of the time. It's like kind of binge watching a, a Netflix bo- box set, I think, because I'm watching it like not at the time it's happening. I can't control the outcome. Like I can't jinx it because it's already happened. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's quite a few weeks uh, coming up where there's four games every single week. And that's four times what two and a half hours four times three hours a week like yeah you yeah. have to pick I, your days don't you
1: yeah so i i uh, for full disclosure and one of the reasons why i might sound a little bit uninformed today is um i moved house over the weekend and um uh, as anyone who's moved house before knows as claire knows have having done it herself not that long ago it's um, it's very easy to get lost in that world of flat pack furniture and solicitors and lifting things. And I uh, I sat down for the first time on it was it Sunday night I think it was I think it was Sunday night and I sat down for the first time in about how many days on a box or a something or other a box of wine that was it I thought it was very fitting so <laughs> i couldn't actually drink it because I didn't have any glasses but I thought at least I'll use it as a seat so I sat there and I went on my phone for the first time in three days and i was like oh i think i think the leafs played last night or maybe saturday night or something like that and i went on my phone and looked and i was like oh i missed like two games like that's how fast they're thick and fast they're coming
0: mm. and
1: just trying to keep up with your own team at the moment is as you say like it's a full-time job like the leafs are playing vancouver twice i think over the next couple of days but then when you're adding in the fantasy hockey element then well it's but it's, you know, it is that distraction, isn't it? Isn't it great to to passionately care about something that means you don't end up having to think about how dull life is at the moment, mm. like outside well, of... It,
0: here's oh. a couple of things then that you probably will not have seen because they are so low yes. down on the priority as a hockey fan. Um, mm. Something cute that I noticed was a, a quite a number of stadiums have still got their organist's or their um, game yes, announcers in the stadium yeah, because you know cool. it's, it's a different experience we've talked about this before where we are used to watching hockey on tv not being in person yeah. so the fact that there aren't fans there makes really no difference to us it's it's the same experience but i saw um i think canadians are playing the other day and the organist was there you know, do, 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 yeah. do. And I was like, yes, we need these people to be a part of it. The other thing as well was um, a lot of, I know in football they're doing a lot of this too, and we've talked about the fan engagement with the with the sports teams, but Washington Capitals do this um, thing where you can be a, have a fan cutout um, in the stadium, and um, they actually had, from the National Zoo three pandas uh, watching Washington Capital's play, like pandas watching ice hockey, which um, it had even had all their names as well like you know as part of an environmental raise raise better awareness for the environment, save the pandas. you know pandas have sex, whatever the newsline is meant to be. But um, you know, maybe maybe you know, like watching a Vechkin is their idea of a rom- romantic <laughs> night out for pandas to continue to mate or whatever they're meant to do. But yeah, I just thought that was like a nice little side. Sometimes you you know you're so wrapped up in keeping up to date with all the scores that those nice little moments on your timeline against like. The BBC News or whatever, yeah. Trump Doom, it's just yeah. a nice little, ah, oh, panda news. And it <laughs> said pandemonium, so that made me happy.
1: Ah, oh, very good. Did you see um, one of the things I've liked on that note, actually, is um Vancouver Canucks have been, they do this weird, like they sound some kind of horn or they wind up some pre-game thing i don't know what it is i'm sure it's significant to canucks fans but um they do this ritual before each uh, game and they've been getting um kind of frontline key workers so like nurses and all of this kind of stuff to come into who are canucks fans to come into this arena and do this kind of pre-game thing and i've just thought like how amazing must that be like especially as there's no other fans in the building in canada and you are one of probably 100 people in that building And, you know, you know, you're there for a reason because, you know, the amount of effort that you've put in over the the last few months and putting your life on the line and all this kind of stuff and little touches like that. You think that's, you know, that's classy. It's really good.
0: Mm. The other thing about adverts as well, I mean, there was a game on uh, the other week on free sports here, wasn't there when it was at whatever time on on a Sunday evening and that bloody jingle oh. that played over and over that's something that you have to put up with when you're a fan outside of north america the adverts the same adverts that repeat the <laughs> advert that i keep seeing repeated when i was watching hockey this week was um with uh brent burns from san jose sharks mm. and as we know when he smiles he's got a beautiful oh beard yeah. beard but there's not much teeth he's a hockey player isn't
1: he he's he's definitely a hockey player when he's he smiles he's got a
0: hockey smile for sure yeah. And anyway, it is like a new advert for Kit Kat Chunky. Other chocolate bars are available. Oh, is it 20% and, um, chunkier? It's chunkier. <laughs> and so he kind of takes the, the Kit Kat and he tries to put in his mouth and it hits his teeth. And so he gets a whiteboard and he gets a pen and he's, he's writing solutions of what, what can I do? I can't eat my Kit Kat Chunky anymore. And it's got all these little options that say go to the dentist, take out more teeth. And then, and then, like, I don't know where it comes from, but the idea says open mouth wider. And so he opens his mouth wider and then eats the Kit Kat chunky. And I'm like, why are you, <laughs> why are you going down to that level, man? It's just the adverts that some of the hockey fan, uh, hockey players do, like whether it's fizzy pop or cola, or yeah. bit, honestly, they are so cringe.
1: Ilya, Ilya Makayev in Toronto has a soup commercial because once he said he likes soup. I mean, wow. that's, that's crazy. Like he, he once said when he came over um, from Russia, he said, oh, I really like, I really like soup or something like that. When he was asked in one of those kind of like, you know, get to know your players type things. And now he's known as soup as that's his nickname <laughs> on the Leafs. And he's genuinely got like a Campbell's soup commercial going in Toronto. And you think this is absolutely nuts. Like the guy was just trying probably broken English, just trying to come up with something that he liked and he was like uh, uh soup and then now he's got a commercial and probably making tons of money out of it
0: why, um, that, why not um, say i love i love vegan pizza if anyone's listening to this podcast right <laughs> now i love vegan <laughs> papa john's pizza like papa john's Ooh, or Domino's, absolutely fine if you're listening you're not, get not, not fast
1: it's just no. vegan basically as long as it's soup. vegan pizza you're laughing i know no. soup hilarious that kit kat chunky will make me laugh though because it makes me think of um whenever the Leafs are shown on the Canadian broadcast over here, um, whenever the Leafs have a power play, I think it is, it's sponsored by Kit Kat Chunky, or mm. there's like... Anyway, there's part of the play sponsored by Kit Kat Chunky. And the commentator always says, you know, and Kit Kat Chunky now, 20% chunkier. And I'm like, you've been saying that for three years. If this was true, every single season, a Kit Kat would be like four times the size of its original thing. But you can't keep saying it's 20% chunkier. There's got to be a reset point. Got to be a reset point. And if that is seasonal, it's got to be seasonal. Breathe. Oh, Breathe. Let's
0: come back to is. hockey. Anyway, I okay.
1: want to now. It's worked. <laughs> See, advertising. We we go on about it and then it works. It's like, oh, all these things on your computer that show you things you want to buy. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah. Although I found a great deal the other day and I bought, uh, bought a garden furniture from it. Yeah, it just popped up right there advertising
0: yes absolutely um big talking point this week has been tony d'angelo and you know what there was part of me that was like i don't know if i want to talk about this right tony d'angelo has fallen out with the new york rangers i don't think it's his first offense it's very difficult to know what to say legally also very interesting i think from us not living in north america because the only information that we can find out really is from what is reported on the podcasts, on Sportsnet, on, you know, the main, the main hockey TSN. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult unless you kind of really having a dig on Twitter to find out what's the gossip, what's really going on here. Uh, I think that because when you live afar, you don't, they don't get that kind of like details, not the same way that I think with football, we would just know that kind of culture So I was like, do I talk about this? Because really, this is a guy who's had a fallen out, um, you know, there's history here um, with his reputation politically, his his personal life mixed with his professional life. There's been a spat. there's been a punch up in the tunnel. And actually, I think that a lot of the... And then he ends up on waivers. I think this probably happens more than we think. But most of the time... The club keep a lid on it. They keep it private and it never gets out. But here's one that slipped out because he's a man who puts himself in the spotlight and probably might have a loose mouth. Therefore, it got out a bit easier than normally would. But I also think, you know, and I'm not condoning what he said, what he did, any of his opinions, that's his his thing. These are people who are emotionally charged they are physically like that you know full of adrenaline we rile them up in a contact sport you know they have to have egos they have to be slightly mad you know they're not accountants no disrespect if you're an accountant but they're not like kind of busy time of year for them (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah but you know they're they're not kind of like i don't know quiet nice mumsy teachers they're bravado they've got egos like they're slightly mad so of course there's going to be these kind of situations
1: but i think what's interesting and you you see it all the time don't you when players step over the line and players uh you know whatever uh, start mouth bad mouthing a uh, somebody from the opposition or someone else or whatever and you see it and then the teams tend to, as you say, publicly, then defend their guy and defend them to try and make sure that everything stays internal so that he can then sort it out. And I'm sure there are many conversations that happen with teams and players that which, as you say, we never hear about because it's all kept indoors. And rightly so. And rightly so. And that's, you know, that's the teams. If that's the way one team do it, they can do it. The interesting thing about this is, of course, this is against one of his own players. And he's also against a goaltender as well, which I find quite interesting because I don't, uh, I've got no evidence for this, but whenever you hear, whenever you see goaltenders having a bad game or, you know, anything like that, when do you ever hear a player or a coach even criticising the goaltender? Like, never they can have terrible games and it's mm-hmm. always the, the rhetoric always seems to be, are uh, we, you know, we, we didn't start, we didn't give them a chance. Like we, you know, we, we let them, you know, we let too many sh- good shots through. We didn't get our blocks in. We didn't work hard enough. We let them down and all this kind of stuff. And it tends to be that the players will will take the hit for it. And that's, you know, it's fair enough because the goaltender can only do so much if he's left on his own. He's he's going to look like he's had a bad night. Mm. And this one, I mean, as you say, he's, <laughs> Tony D'Angelo's had many run-ins and I, I don't think this in isolation causes this much of an issue. But I mean, the GM said, today he said our team is ready to move on so you know there's there's he's not going to be playing for the rangers now whether he then signs with another north american team or not i don't know he's got a 4.8 million uh cap hit or average annual value and it which apparently they're used. saying
0: you know whether they buy him out because you know it's before his 26th birthday they yes. can buy him out for a third of that and that closes the situation they move well it on. does in
1: a way for it does for the rangers but then it, of course what do other nhl teams do because no doubt he's a you know he's a good nhl player i mean he signed a 4.8 million dollar contract with the rangers mm-hmm. only a year or so ago so and i had him in my, my fancy hockey team last year and i remember him getting a lot of points and and it's it just puts a lot of teams now in a difficult position because they think well do do we want to go there or is that going to be more hassle than it's worth but
0: i think there's multiple things going on here though right so because there is about him as a player and his deal and yeah. you know the trade and 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 that and also like the situation and and I think it's to be disputed about what was actually said between him and uh, the goalie. You know, was it yeah. sarcastic and it was a heated situation that got out of hand? Had there been previous like spats between them and it just exploded? Whatever. Right. But I think what it also said is um, it says is about like the, the team ethic and the fact that, you know, New York Rangers said, right, you know, you're gone right this this is a step too far you're on waivers as of midnight at midday tomorrow um, and they're saying we're ready to move on I think what it really sends out is um, like team comes first more than individual like you could be a talented hockey player but my team the atmosphere the respect that's in a locker room these you know you spend a lot of time like on the roads Um, flying with, traveling, these guys, if you're playing like four games a week, like if there's any kind of ounce of negativity, it it just breeds and they've got to shut it down. So having respect, I guess, for like your teammates is, it it draws that kind of um, attention. And sometimes the spans, I think we forget that kind of thing because it's a bit softer. We look at like the points and... the the skills and the talents and you know oh look at that deke that was amazing that was an amazing save but I find interesting about the sport that it's like the full kind of 360 of the whole thing is like the culture um the business and also the talent all Mm. things make a difference and you need all of them to win the Stanley Cup but
1: as you I I mean as you say I mean we don't know what goes on all i know about the story is I, I listened to what elliot friedman said on 31 thoughts and and he kind of laid out quite factually what he felt was as close to the truth as he could get and um you know it's available there if you want to go and listen to it but it. I, and while i get that kind of team perspective and i think we both agree that you know there, there's no way this is the first if this was the first thing, there's no way this dealt with this way. Like this is obviously easy. he must be a repeat offender in, in some way or another with team related activities, because otherwise they, they wouldn't have gone as severe as they have with this. What's interesting as well, though, is you think, and I don't know, but if you're looking at the two of them, D'Angelo and Gorgiev, I mean, Gorgiev and Shusterkin this year for the Rangers have got to fill the boots of Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, not an easy task in New York and also not an easy task on a team that is on the up because they are, you know, they are projecting up and they've probably been a bit disappointed this year with, with the way that their season has gone so far, because the, they were saying that they would be the overachievers, but actually everyone was saying they were overachievers. So it kind of meant that everyone kind of expected them to overachieve, um, so you've got Georgiev and Shosturkin with this huge lunquist weight on their shoulders to try and get through this season. And I can just imagine you're looking at that. If you're a GM of that franchise and you're thinking, I've got this real troublesome player for whatever reason on, you know, this D-man in D'Angelo, who is now getting in the head of one of the two most, you know, kind of key parts of this season for the Rangers, Georgiev. And you, you've got to sit there and think, I I will quite happily eat whatever it would be, 2 million, 1.7 million or whatever it would be to pay off somebody like that. If I can, if I can put more protection around my two goaltenders, because the last thing you want is Georgiev going into the next game with D'Angelo there thinking, this guy's not going to do you know, or, you know, that lack of trust. And that kind of, as you said, loops back into what you said, not just on the locker room, it's got to be on the ice as well. And mm. and that, that trust and that um, knowing that you've got the other guys back, surely, surely has got to be more important. And he will, I, I would imagine Gorton will have looked at that and thought, you know. Yeah, well, as he said, we're ready as a team to move on from Tony D'Angelo. So, fascinating to see where where he ends up. If he ends up over here, or he could go to Europe or another different league or the KHL, but who knows?
0: Yes. Mm, I mean, it's very interesting. Like we won't get into it on this podcast, but I had a bit of a read about some of his political views and what yeah, is all that. If
1: you want to read, <laughs>
0: yeah, it is interesting. He deleted his Twitter account, you know, after Trump was banned by Twitter. That kind of stuff, which is away from the game and you know, whatever. Um, interestingly, you say about New York Rangers are kind of on the up, or that there's pressure on them. You know, they sit at the bottom of their division at the moment, yeah. although they're, they're tied. With New York Islanders, same number of games, same number of wins, same number of losses, same number of points, um, but and they've got an opportunity this week because Islanders now have just had a ton of games, you know, postponed because of what's happened with the Sabers. So it's it you know they've just got to hit the ground running and just make the most of these kind of lulls, haven't they, to, to claw their way back up the table to build their confidence. So
1: I mean I mean really you when when you look at that kind of East division, you're kind of looking at it going, Whoa, the Islanders are Islanders are seventh and the Rangers are, are eighth, and you've got New Jersey and Buffalo fifth and sixth. There's
0: nothing the between it though. But, you're talking like eight but actually, points there's, to 15 there's two points. points. Well it's yeah, eight oh, it's not points even that. at it's the two bottom. Points. Eight- yeah. Eight,
1: Rangers are on eight points and New Jersey in fifth are 10 points. So you basically mm. got like one games difference in that. And they've all played around the same amount of games. So, mm. so actually you think over season, you know, that will wash out and that division actually looks probably about what you would expect with Philadelphia, Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, fighting out at the top, but it's all still so close, but it is certainly from the optics point of view. And if you're just looking kind of at a glance, you do look at that league and you think, The Rangers were, you know, they were supposed to be better this year and they are at the moment not better. They're maybe not terrible, but they're not better.
0: Mm, I mean, you talk about close as well. Over in the West Division, Vegas were obviously absolutely Honda caning West, it. As we're talking yeah.
1: adverts, yeah, Honda West.
0: <laughs> they were, you know, Vegas were caning it. They were doing yeah. absolutely brilliant. And then they've kind of been scuppered by these COVID Only games. So everything's on hold. And so St. Louis have climbed up. Colorado are up there. I mean, I've just seen that. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is week by week on a lower body injury so not great for them um Minnesota who would have thought that Minnesota are up there with 12 points um so you know it's it's uh it's really interesting over a, over Florida, it's like you know the Florida State is 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 nailing it in the Central Florida and Tampa Bay and Columbus all neck and neck with eleven points. So God, you're, you're right, right. and, and
1: Florida, Florida. I'm just looking at that Central Division. They've only played six central. games. Yeah, six games they've played. They've won five and had one overtime loss and you think Florida again another team that was kind of going into the season big question mark over what they were going to be they had all sorts of weird stuff with Keith Yandel and Bobrovsky and all of this kind of stuff going in there but then they've absolutely smashed it and of course they had the delayed start and everyone thought well that means they're going to have to play catch up turns out no same with Dallas I mean they you know they're 4-1 and 1 that's not a bad start for their first six games and you know Carolina as well same six games five wins one loss those teams who started late have started pretty pretty hot and you wonder whether actually the delayed start wasn't as bad a thing as some of them were saying.
0: Mm, yeah, I mean, Florida's sitting in Who's the top 10. Who's played the least 10? amount
1: of games? At least
0: uh, Florida. Florida, have, Carolina let's... and Dallas. Yeah. Amazing. Florida,
1: Carolina and Dallas. All in the same division.
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. Let me, so let's just have a look Who'd at have some... Thought,
1: eh? Who'd have thought that part of America would cause the biggest headache to the NHL?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's have a look at some of the news. So the... So the other news, which was really quite strange, and you kind of think, what? what, how, why, what happened there? So the the players of Pittsburgh Penguins are on the ice, and they're having a practice, and they get pulled over at the side, and they get told that their GM Jim Rutherford is is leaving, is resigning, and and then it, it all comes out, and then the CEO of Pittsburgh Penguins comes out and says. He's shocked he's genuinely shocked. He tried to talk around Jim Rutherford, who's seventy one I didn't know that. He's... Jim Rutherford has come out and said, "Look, it's nothing to do with health. We've got a president who's way older than me, and he's doing pretty good, and I'm fine too. It's just for personal reasons time for me to do something else. It's time to hand the he said, said he'll never else. say
1: it He said he'll never say what it he'll never go into it
0: mm. So, you know, we don't, we don't know what happened there. I mean, I, I was reading a little bit about who he was, because often with GMs, I, I don't know about you, but and GMs and owners are kind of a bit of the puzzle that I don't really have enough time to really learn about. No. I didn't know that Jim Rutherford has been GM since 2014-15. You know, he's got a ton of Stanley Cups. He's got two mm-hmm. Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh Penguins. And even before that, with Carolina Hurricanes, you know, they got a Stanley Cup in 2006. But even more that I didn't know was that he had a 13-year NHL career as a goaltender. I did not know that. So, you know, these people come from all kinds of places because quite often there can be a number of owners or GMs who enter the league with more of like a business, like Mm. kind of sense about them. You know, they yeah. they'd take it from that rather than a player to a GM. But then you got the people like the old schoolers, like Brian Burks, for instance, who was, you know, I think in his words, he said he was like a lackluster player turned fairly decent, like, manager. Um, he was a lawyer, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. So, you know, I I'd, I'd find um, I find that really interesting. And, and that, that enabled me to go do a little bit of digging because I was like, You know what, what is the actual job description of a GM, right? So where is my, okay, so I did a bit of Googling and I wanted just like a a paragraph that just tells me, okay, what is it that they actually have to do? So the GM drafts the players. Does it just say
1: win a Stanley Cup?
0: It doesn't actually, but you know.
1: That's it. Job description. Win a Stanley Cup. Don't care how you do it. C Arizona.
0: (laughs) Yeah. GM drafts the players. GM makes the trades. GM ultimately responsible for the direction of the team. Um, Basically, some of the teams have seen their franchises completely turn around in a few short years with having the right GM in place. They've also seen the destructive power that a poor choice can make and so that a GM can basically make or break a franchise. In uh, some of the articles, it lists like a couple of the guys who are the goods and the greats, like Lou Lamorello, okay, regular face who's always appeared. He was hired as president of the Devils in 1987 He named himself GM, despite he had no previous NHL experience of any kind. In his first season, the franchise recorded its first winning record ever. And obviously, we know what happened with him for many years. Um, Ken Holland, Detroit Red Wings, bit of a sore point to say this now, but... The key thing that it listed in Ken Holland's traits was his ability to look at the draft with eyes that nobody else ever had. His ability to spot brilliant late round picks, including people like Pavel Datsuk, who was 171st overall in 1998. 171. I don't know if you've ever watched the NHL draft, but by, I don't know, maybe 80, I'm asleep I'm bored. I'm checked out. I I never make it out of the first round. (laughs) I think I watched it live the year that Austin Matthews was drafted. And probably by like number 11, I was asleep. Um, But more interesting, I wanted to kind of work out about like the finances for GMs, right? So usually a GM gets paid about the same as the average player in the NHL. So most new GMs will get about one to one and a half million dollars. More experienced GMs will probably get three million or more. Um, People like Lula Morello, you know, they've got big figures and they also own some of the club that they may, you know, manage as well. Um, Brian Burke, right, just because he kind of came up in conversation here, He earned a salary of $3 million when he was at the Maple Leafs. It's a six-year deal, and that was back in 2008. So that kind of gives you an idea. Gretzky earned $8 million a year as GM for Phoenix Coyotes, you know, now Arizona Coyotes. And he was actually given a small ownership stake in the team as well. So... Yeah. I mean, there is actually a book that I discovered, which came out in the last year or so. I don't know how it slipped under the radar, probably because it's written by a guy who isn't on the major broadcasters. It's not available on Amazon. And in his words, it is a 252 page coffee table book. It looks (laughs) swish, right? It is. It's a hundred dollars. That's why. Right, hey, yi, it's yi. called Behind the Moves, and it's based on these um, in-person interviews with every living NHL GM who has taken a team to the Stanley Cup Final. And wow. it, you know they represent five hundred seasons of GM experience. Whoa. So it's called How How Winners Are Built. Behind the Moves, How Winners Are Built. Just look at the contents page. Who's the, who's the author? Jay? it's it's by a guy called Jason Farris um, and the foreword is, again, from Brian Burke. Um, so, you know, the fact that he got access. It, it, a book that's a little bit cheaper was, uh, what was Craig Costant's one? Behind the Bench? Oh, behind
1: the Bench, yeah. yeah very. Yeah, actually,
0: yeah, that actually. was very good. A bit more affordable. Yeah. But I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm really curious. If anyone has read this behind the moves, then let me know. I think it's a bit out of my price range. Yeah. I yeah, love NHL, but I think I'd rather buy a new jersey than one book from a coffee table. Interesting. Although, Claire,
1: if you buy that book, then you become a, a GM and then you can make, I mean, $100 for a book will be nothing because you would be on, what, $3 million a year. Think of the yeah. long game, Claire. Think of the long game.
0: <laughs> or if anyone's listening to this, maybe they can just send us a press copy. Um, I'm,
1: I'm guessing a book that retails for $100 and isn't on Amazon doesn't do press copies. <laughs>
0: probably not. Yeah. Have you read Brian Burke's book? They kept banging on about it, A Life in Hockey, Burke's Law. I've not read it yet.
1: No, I'm um, I'm trying to read Barack Obama's book at the moment, but it's like flipping 800 pages. So it's taking me... Uh, I don't read much. Like I'm, I'm a terrible reader, so I'll just read. I read on holiday, basically. And of course, as you've all guessed, probably as you too not been on a holiday so uh, i haven't read anything um so i'm trying to read barack obama's book but it's taking me about as long as his first presidency uh, to get through it
0: um, i actually so... read every day i read for five yeah. minutes every day and i am looking for some more hockey book recommendations yeah, okay. so if people have those let us know yeah
1: yeah do they're um i do find them interesting i read a, a very good uh, book on leadership but it was more about leadership as opposed to and it was in American football, but it's kind of a leadership book generally. And they are quite interesting. When you get the right kind of – when you get the right kind of ex-player or ex-manager or something like that who um, is able to kind of uh, be very analytical on themselves and and give give interesting opinions on things that they did over the years. And particularly – I don't know about you, but I particularly find it interesting – for those ones that I, for for things that I witnessed and for things that happened within my lifetime. And, you know, I I do find it interesting kind of, you know, hearing about what hockey was like and other sports were like way back when, but it doesn't resonate as much. Whereas if I read that, you know, behind the bench book that Craig Customs did, that was, you know, Mike Babcock talking about the Olympic gold medal match or talking about whatever it was. And, and you think all of that's so much more relatable Mm. and, it's very interesting getting their perspective, those that time on, and also how you know that book, particularly, is very good at painting the kind of um, what those people are like outside of hockey. Mm. And that comes uh, back that's, to the
0: culture, you think? Yeah, yeah when the, like culture. what we were talking about at the dinner
1: table, and like yeah. who would you want a dinner table in hockey? Mm. And they're people that you want to get to know more outside of hockey, like I would. And Mike Babcock's one of those characters, you know. Are, didn't agree with everything he did and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. But he is such a fascinating character that you'd love to get to know more about him. And everyone will have somebody around their team that that ticks that bill.
0: You know, in that sense, then I'd quite like Lou Lamorello and Kyle Dubus at yeah, a dinner party. Poor.
1: You wouldn't say a word, would you? You'd literally just be there serving them. Like you just turn up and you go, here's your starter. This is the first of eight courses. You're going to be here seven hours. And I'm going to, uh, this is your first of eight glasses of wine to go with all of them. Because you're going to be absolutely sozzled by course six. And then I'm going to find out what you really think of each other. All right? <laughs>
0: That's how it would <laughs> work. <laughs> and you'd have to make sure you'd had a shave. Before you went to that dinner party, yeah, yeah. So penguins, it's kind of like an open book. They're, they're nailing down different candidates. I mean, the David Moorhouse, who's the CEO, is talking about how they're not in building mode, but rather in win now mode.
1: They're in denial and, mode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're looking for someone who's quite aggressive and like. You kind of think, who is that person?
1: It's a horrible job in a way because while on on paper it's great because you get crosby and Mulkin and all of this kind of stuff and it's like oh wow amazing i'm a gm for the team of sydney crosby but actually you're you're coming in to a team at possibly the worst time because the there's there's this kind of lingering hope that they will get one more stanley cup with Mulkin and crosby would be my guess as a as a Pittsburgh fan you know the rebuild is coming you know the moment that probably Malkin maybe goes or or they just peter out into into nothingness and you know age age the never undefeated thing that it is like will take the hold of even Crosby and Malkin and you have got to be the GM probably that breaks all of that up and if you're proactive and if you're ahead of the curve then you're going to do that earlier than some of the fans are probably ready for it to happen so Mm. you're coming into this at a point and also you're coming into this as a team who has been in win now mode forever and ever like they have been constantly shelling they gave they gave toronto a first round pick for kapanen like they could have waited a few weeks and probably picked him up for a third like, they have been in absolute win-now mode for years, which means they've absolutely decimated their um, cabinet of draft picks and all of their kind of stuff. They've mortgaged their future to try and win one more Stanley Cup, which is exactly what you should do. But to be the GM coming in at this point... At the point where maybe it's a little bit early to do the full rebuild, it's exactly the same in Chicago. You know, they've got the Kane and Taves and those kind of players in there, who are iconic franchise players. Deep down, Chicago know that, that that's it for that kind of that group. But it's all about trying to bring the fan base round and bring the team round into thinking that you know we've had an amazing run, we've got some fantastic memories and fantastic Stanley Cups, but. These next few years are not going to be pretty. And that's Mm -hmm. it's going to be a tough job for that person going into Pittsburgh because he's going in, the the cupboards are very bare there and the expectations are always high when you've got Sid the kid out there. And unless they pulled off a miracle and managed to actually win another Stanley Cup, it would would be, I was saying to you, play the long game, that would be a very long game and, and GMs are getting fewer and fewer seasons now. Um, leeway than they have done in previous years
0: yeah I mean you know if there there are tons of names of candidates probably people that neither me or Jolan really know very much about so we're not going to get nope. into the names we'd just be taking the mick frankly but yeah. <laughs> the Athletic and, and the other um, reporters <laughs> it's, it's, do a way better job fans going, I can't take it what are they talking about Absolutely. I can't even pronounce the name right yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, we're just going to do a disservice to the history, to the connections. And I always find it very interesting because, you know, it's some of them, some of the names are like people who were the right hand man to Rutherford or, you know, they were former and then they got fired and then will they come back? And then they were fired from this place. And I think what's really interesting is at that kind of level, people have been in The sport for so long, that there are these little tiny relationships where, I don't know, their wives sat next to each other once in a away game 20 years ago when they were players or something, and they've been friends and they go around to each other's houses in summer. Like, there's all these kind of relationships that form, which we can't tell just from looking at a name on a list where we're like, ah, yeah, they've been friends for ages. Maybe that's why they're thinking about doing business together. It's um, I always think the relationship between an owner and a GM is fascinating too. Like mm. uh, some owners are very hands-on, some want to kind of sit back and it's just like, you know, it's their passion project. Um, we've talked about like a lot of the owners and the finances really for the owners because money is a big thing this season. I think with less fans being able to kind of come in with a shorter season. Um, I think even like for some people, it was like working out the broadcast contracts as well for some, some teams in America. Like where were the fans actually going to be able to watch the games? Yeah. Um, mm. So then you kind of think like, you know, maybe some owners, it was a bit of a passion project. And now their eyes are like, "Um, yeah, I think we might need to like kind of really look a bit deeper at this at the moment. And maybe they do get a bit more antsy. I don't know. It's just one of those things that's like in the periphery of my mind. Like, I'm interested if I see an article about that in The Athletic, Mm. I'm going to go read about that because I'm curious about who are these owners? What are their business? How are they (laughs) preparing?
1: I mean, they also it's not a hugely profitable game to to be a you know an owner. Like there aren't a lot of teams that make a lot of money and that's why there's a lot kind of equalization payments and things like that. And you know, you've got you got teams who who lose who lose money every year and that's part of it. But the problem is at the moment they're losing even more. And you know, I'm sure it's made owner ownership across the league think about you know future funding models and all of that kind of stuff but it is interesting because you do you think about the owners you know about and you you hear about some owners and then other owners you have absolutely not a clue what who they even are who their names are or their group or the individual and um yeah that relationship between an owner and a gm is is quite something and they'll always say how they always talk every day but it's um but it's the same. It, it trickles down, doesn't it? You've got the, the owner and the GM and that relationship. And then the GM and the coach, I always think that's a fascinating relation relationship because, you know, over here sports here for a long time was this kind of manager role. You know, you had a, a, in football, it was a manager who did all of that kind of stuff and was a GM and a coach. And then, um, you know, there was this move away from that in this country and, and, and coaches came about and then there was directors of football and all this kind of stuff. But over there, that's been the case for a long time. And what's interesting there is, of course, it's the GM who fires the coach or hires and fires the coach. And so that relationship as well is such a fascinating one. And yeah, digging into these and often the sad thing is you don't find out the whole truth about all this stuff until one of them writes a book, which is usually a long time after um their their management career is over but um yeah it's fascinating to see how that then trickles down into the teams and successes
0: i gotta say like at what point are we gonna see a female coach a female gm mm. in the nhl a female owner like i mean I th- there has been yeah. um couples i guess that have owned but you know they were starting to see in broadcast worlds um Cassie, I've forgotten her name.
1: Campbell Pascal.
0: Yes, and I didn't know very much about her, but I kind of went and, and read because when she talks, that woman knows that sport. She has an eye that the the research, the the way she she views the game, is exceptional. It's very different to the male broadcasters on the panel in in Hockey Night in Canada, and um, and then you look at her history as a player and you think, wow. Like you know your stuff because you've got gold, silvers, bronze medals hanging up all over. In fact, you you could melt them and make a house. You have so many.
1: She's she's but the her, Sydney Crosby of the female game. Like her it, detail it,
0: is it, brilliant as an analy, 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 analyst, 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 analyst. That's analyst. it. <laughs> this is where we're so tired. This is why it's near the end of the podcast. It's time to go. <laughs> I was trying to Claire, make a Claire great Claire ended point. the
1: podcast by trying to say and analyst typical woman talking about sport can't even say analyst
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know and i couldn't even say name like generally yeah. it's a big fail but i didn't realize though that she is married to um an assistant manager of calgary flames and what's more interesting is that she's often mm. either on the commentary team or on the panel like reviewing calgary and i was like is there no conflict <laughs> of interest but then you kind of think the guys have probably got all these connections and things too, so it's oh yeah, it's an incestuous game where everybody knows absolutely everybody. If you really think about it,
1: yeah.
0: But hey, I think- hockey
1: night in Canada on a very quicker side. Hockey night in Canada this year, the panels they've had have been great. Like Kevin Bieksa is brilliant, and Anthony Stewart, and you've got uh, yeah, Kendall and you've got all these different people in there, and I, I think it's, it's a fascinating mix, and it, it really has. it's funnily enough that it did freshen it up a little bit and I've quite enjoyed it this year the fewer that I've seen
0: well, and that's because I think it's harder for us to get and, and keep abreast of all the news that is going on. You know, you can spend an hour yeah. on Twitter scrolling through, but what these people say in these in-between periods, like updates and headlines, Saturday headlines, headlines. it's vital for us to kind of keep in tune yeah. with the sport. So, yeah, it does matter. We We ride a lot on what they're saying because we don't have access to the same media. Um, no. But hey, you know there's just uh, 15 games this weekend. Um, only well, maybe 14 because one of them's already postponed. Maybe less. when are the Leafs playing next? Uh, the All Leafs are playing on else. Friday. I want to say there's there only a, any games till then. Uh, th- sorry, Thursday, but we watch it on Friday. Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah, they got the Vancouver series, don't they?
0: There we go. I will look very much forward to my usual Sunday morning in bed. Not looking at my phone, breakfast in bed, coffee, <laughs> my lovely fluffy pyjamas, watching a Leafs game.
1: Oh, and we've got to talk about the very quickly, the blockbuster trade that happened in the uh, in our fantasy league. Claire, I want you to judge it. Who was the winner of the trade? Um, I want you to do this. Let me just get the trade details here for you. OK, so this happened. We don't, if there aren't many, I don't know the leagues that you guys do, if you do them at home as well, there aren't many trades that happen um, just because it's quite hard to you know, hard to facilitate them. This one did happen. This took place between me and one of the other guys in the league. And uh, Claire, I want you to know, uh, I want you to give the judge as to who won this trade. Sean Monaghan was traded away from my team, right? To dry sidle takes it all. No, dry sidle it takes. Sorry, I can't laugh. Anyway, mm-hmm. Sean Monaghan goes one way. Jamie Ben goes that way as well. Okay. Sean Monahan, Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben currently on IR, but then was activated. Coming back the other way, William Carlson of the Vegas Golden Knights, currently on a very long stretch of postponed games, currently killing me. And the one and only Patrick Line. Who do you think won the trade? Wow. At the time the trade was made, it was an IR for an IR because there was Jamie Bend for Patrick Line, and then there was Sean Monaghan for William Carlson, which were the two centers.
0: I mean, I guess for me, if we're talking fantasy, whoever's picked up Line, uh, Line, and who was it? Not William ben. Carlson. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Ben's the goal scorer there, but Line is always going to put more points. So I think, really, he, yeah, if you've got Line, then yeah.
1: And do you want to know the best bit about it all? And I'm sorry to the other fancy managers, because it's going to sound like we're really gloating. But I picked both Sean Monaghan and Jamie Ben up off waivers the week before. Both of them, just free, sitting there. And I turned them into Patrick Line and William Carlson. I mean, I'm going to be in humble pie when this <laughs> goes against me, and Sean Monahan has the best season of his life with Good Gaudreau. But. Interesting to see how it goes. And Line A just confirmed is playing tonight, so it's going to be his first game tonight for as a Columbus Blue Jacket. Um, I think he's playing Dallas. I
0: think. Yes, is Jamie Ben back? oh Jamie Ben as well. It's going to be right. the battle
1: of the trades.
0: It, it actually will be the battle of your yeah. particular trades. Dry
1: side. I feel this is a pun. This team name that I'm not getting, but it's dry side. It takes. Yeah. I, 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 let's
0: not get into team names for fantasy here because mine is embarrassing that i just couldn't think of anything
1: <laughs> yours does scream of i can't think of a name I yours just, is your name basically yours is last season's name but just with a question mark at the
0: end. well it was babcock socks and now it, which is even <laughs> wrong anyway because it should have been babsocks <laughs> so i got that wrong and this year is like babcock who that's where I. Uh, sh- that's where my creativity ended. It's like, you know when you go to play in um, a team quiz in a pub? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't make any effort into the name whatsoever.
1: I once won a prize um, on that because I'm, I'm the same as you. I can't be bothered to ever think of them. And when I do, they're naff. And it was only I won a prize once for a team name at a pub quiz. And it was uh, our team name was the Risky Brisket. And the reason that was was because earlier on in the evening I'd ordered brisket, which came to the table undercooked and was practically raw, and I had to send it back. So I think they gave me the prize as a little bit of a compensation for the for the raw brisket <laughs> that they served me. But they did appreciate the name Risky Brisket for the uh, pub <laughs> quiz team
0: name. Right, this um, that is this it. A, That's all I
1: got. That was is, that was as good as I've got.
0: <laughs> this is a podcast about hockey where we occasionally talk about hockey and uh, weird facts about team names um, come yeah. follow us at NHL fans from afar on Twitter please follow us if you're on Spotify or, or subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts and uh, yeah off to uh, go and take a well earned breather and get ready for some Friday morning hockey for us if you're enjoying your games if you're missing them down to COVID then maybe switch sides and go watch your Canadian team for a bit because hey at least you're guaranteed a game Have a great week, whatever you get up to.